This is District Sentinel Radio, the loudest newscast on the left. I'm Sam Sachs, broadcasting out of the Internate is not a worker studios. Sam Knight shouting from the newsroom. No newscast today. That's why he's not in the studio. Instead, it's an interview day and we're talking about Russiagate. Hell yeah. So I've been saying for a while now that the Russiagate narrative, the one that leftists are being urged to take more seriously, is actually doing a lot of harm. It's elevating neocons, pushing policymakers toward more aggressive actions, diminishing focus on more important issues. And this week, we saw another way in which harm is being done after Facebook removed a few dozen pages and events that the company suspected was part of another foreign influence campaign, possibly Russia. Unfortunately, one of the events Facebook took down was a completely legitimate anti-fascist rally here in D.C. organized by Americans. Facebook screwed up. The Russiagate hysteria is literally providing cover to fascists now. Despite that, the articles keep rolling in that it's time for the left to wise up to Russiagate. The latest being from Jonathan Chait, who called out Slate writer Osia Nuanevu for being too skeptical on the issue. Well, we sat down with Osia to talk about it, and you're going to hear about half of our conversation. If you want to listen to the rest of it, subscribe over at Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Rarely do we get people on the show who get called out by Jonathan Chait, so it's good to have you on. Uh, you were called out as one of the leftists not taking Russiagate seriously enough. I would put myself in that crowd as well. Sam Knight probably. Stop stealing Osita's valor. <laughs> you were not owned by Jonathan Chait. I know. I know. I was not owned, but, but Osita was. <laughs> Actually, he wasn't owned, but... Um, We've seen a lot of these articles lately pressuring the left to take Russiagate more seriously, particularly after the latest round of Mueller indictments that named members of the Russian intelligence. Um, Where is this coming from? Why do you think certain people are feeling the need to get leftists on board with what I assume is the main Russia nar- Russiagate narrative that people are still hesitant to join. I mean, I think the driving force behind this narrative is the hope that, you know, for people like Jonathan Chait, if some proof emerges that, John, uh, that Trump really did collude, there's going to be this massive moment where people from all sides of the political spectrum come together and unify to get rid of Donald Trump, and they want the left to be on board when that happens. Um, they think this is the one sort of ace move that's going to get rid of him. Um, and they don't want to have that jeopardized by, you know, a counter narrative. Um, I think that's really what's driving it. And, you know, I, I, I should be clear that I have never, and I don't think most people on the left, like, deny the fact that, like, there is very plausibly, um, it's very plausible that the Trump, administ- uh, Trump campaign engaged in collusion. I don't think, you know, the evidence is going to play out um, as the investigation continues, I don't, I don't deny that possibility at all. But what I am saying and what I think people on the left are saying is that even if that evidence did emerge, it would not be a real political solution to the problems facing this country. 
Um, I don't think it would even necessarily lead to Trump being impeached. I think that we see the Republican Party doing everything it can to discredit the investigation, the FBI, the Justice Department in a way that if something does emerge, they're going to be able to tell their supporters, look, this was a uh, biased and flawed investigation. We should throw out its findings. Uh, and then, you know, nothing will happen. You know, I, I think that's that's a plausible scenario, and I don't think the people who engage in this kind of stuff take that possibility seriously enough. But, but look, I, I think that the real impetus behind the criticism of the left is that Russia provides this sort of fantasy of, of nonpartisan politics, um, creating a resolution to the current crisis. Uh, it's something that prevents people from having to engage with the problems that the Republican Party poses for us on a structural level. It prevents them from having to engage with the structural problems that, you know, wealth uh, poses for our politics. And all, you know, yeah. all of the, the larger scale things that the left is concerned about, this is something that for people like Jonathan Chait is, is a diversion from those things. Putin and Trump and the Putin-Trump nexus sort of sets up a Hollywood ending right. for something to come in. Mueller, who is, who, who's the, the retired cop who's, who's back for one last score or whatever. <laughs> Not that well, cops come back for one last score, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it, the, It's the perfect Hollywood ending, and then poof, they don't have to deal with uh, Trump anymore. Uh, Hillary is president, apparently, also, <laughs> somehow, in this scenario. Yeah, I think embedded in this criticism is a straw man of the left. Yeah. Because, I mean, everyone I know that I'm talking, yes, there's some fringe people, but for the most part, everybody supports the Mueller investigation. They want to see it completed. Yeah, of course. Uh, they don't think that, that Bob Mueller is some deep state project set out to take Trump down like a lot of Trump conservatives think. There is a difference here. And it, it's more a matter of there's not enough perspective when it comes to coverage of, of the Russia issue. Like it's not covered how often the U.S. is engaged in this behavior and how mm -hmm. the U.S. is a willing participant in these activities along with Russia and an issue of, of priorities and importance. Why is it that we are prioritizing the threat of Russia intervening in our elections more than prioritizing what we used to prioritize, which is Republican secretaries of state kicking millions of voters off the rolls around right. the country. That sort of we, we don't hear that uh, discussed as much anymore because Russia is taking up a lot of the oxygen on these issues. And my concern, what harm are people who are raising those issues? What harm are they causing? Even if it comes out tomorrow that Trump, uh, Donald Trump Jr. and members of the Trump campaign like spoke with Russian uh, intermediaries about when to release certain damaging material that would effectively help their campaign. Like, I guess that's kind of what we're getting at when it comes yeah. to coordination or conspiracy or anything like that. Yeah. Even if that comes out, what was the harm in being skeptical until that comes out? Like, w what damage is being caused by that? That's why I think a lot of this seems to be, and I don't want to personally insult some of these people because they are, you know, good writers and people on the left. But a lot of it seems to be like kind of preening to other people that, hey, in establishment media, we're, we're on the same thing. We think this is a really big issue as well, just in case it happens to be a really big issue. I mean, my position is just let the investigation finish. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about it when I, you know, we can talk about it. But like if you read the actual article, 
that Chade published in New York Magazine a couple of weeks ago, I mean, it, a good portion of it's like, oh, you know, did the P-tape happen, and here's when <laughs> Trump was in the mouth. Like, yeah. like, I don't... Yeah, he said... We, he, just, we, just, we just came, you know, we're just a couple of, I guess, a month now after, you know, discovering that ICE and, and immigration, uh, you know, uh, enforcement was, was forcibly separating children from their parents on a massive scale. Um, that's still, I mean, that situation has not been resolved, even though the Trump administration said it was going to go through and, and start reuniting families. That process has been fraught with all kinds of problems because there wasn't really, <laughs> there wasn't really a plan to do that. I mean, yeah. you know, that's still something that's happening. We have, uh, there are a lot of problems. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of a lot of evidence of Trump wrongdoing that you can impeach him on. Of we course. just had a judge, a federal judge, rule that he's in violation of the Emoluments Clause, and we have him tweeting out in the open what could be taken as obstruction of justice pretty regularly. Nobody talks about the self-dealing. If you want to talk about corruption, that stuff is very clear-cut. It's happening out in the open. This this practice of going to Trump's. It's just not as sexy as the Russia stuff. No, I mean it doesn't have this sort of spy intrigue. And it doesn't have the neocons on board either because they can exploit it to advance their agenda. And beyond the emoluments, at every agency level, you have these same stories playing out where uh, self-dealing is going on and 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 every uh major political point well not every major but there's basically a political pointy at every major agency uh where these similar threads are going on and uh yeah there that there's a lot worthy of of discussion there i get that i almost sympathize with with chait for wanting clicks by discussing the P tape, look, buddy, we all want clicks and we all like talking about the P tape. Well, I think but... that's what's driving so much of this is the chase for clicks, and you see it in right. the way these, a lot of the people within major news outlets when they're discussing RussiaGate, the way they they tweet about it, and the way Jonathan Chase. I mean, the article you called him out on that he essentially responded that mm-hmm. he brought you up was he was speculating that Trump might have been a Russian agent dating back to 1987. Yeah, that was this is that a, was the subhead. This is a um, wild conspiracy theory that, sure, there there might be anecdotal evidence or things you can point to. You can put your bring out your Glenn Beck chalkboard and point to all this stuff. Right. But he shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> he mean, shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be saying that Paul Manafort is, is doing weird things because he's afraid that the Russians are going to kill him. Yes. Purely speculative. Like, it's just... Like, you know, like you can do that, but that that makes you into the territory of Louise Mensch. I mean, we're a year right. from her getting removed from all these platforms, these major platforms she has, because everybody's like, oh, she's full of shit. And now Jonathan Chait can write articles that Trump's been a Russian agent. It brings me no pleasure to say this, but <laughs> Trump has been a Russian agent since 1987 and is receiving the death penalty. Yeah. There's also a danger to the left, uh, and I, th- this is not an original point. I've seen other people say this on Twitter. Uh, but there's a danger to the left engaging in any discourse where the subject is treason. Honestly, first of all, the left is always the one who gets fucked over by treason discourse, or not always, but 99.7% of the time, it's the left who gets fucked over by that discourse. Second of all, treason as a concept, eh, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean, right. though? Like, a, a, as some high-minded concept, like, oh, treason, sir, treason, treason. Yeah, especially, you know, like, uh, non-wartime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the United States government has had some awful, awful goals and does some bad things. So the idea of uh, of engaging in a treason debate, like, 
I'm gonna stand on a soapbox and scream about treason and why that and that's why you should hate Trump. Give me a fucking break. I mean, that makes me sick to my stomach. Here's one thing I think the left should be worried about. I mean, we see whenever Putin comes up in the sort of iconography of critics of Russia, it's always 1980s. Like they like they'll put in the hammer and the sickle. Mm-hmm. They'll suggest that the Russia is still the Soviet Union. And it happens enough now that the ones like, that aren't blatantly homophobic right, are exactly, just yeah, yeah, historically yeah. inaccurate. I mean, it, it happens enough that it can't really be an accident anymore. Like it's not yeah. just like yeah. it's been going on for like a year now. And I think I think the one of the things that's attractive about the Russian narrative to the people advancing it or really invested in it is that it suggests that there is something foreign about the Putin administration that makes it really, really bad that they did this, rather than this is also just like a really rapacious capitalist country. Yeah. Yeah, it does a lot that of we bad created things. in the exactly. 90s. Exactly. <laughs> um, they're trying to sort of pin this as some sort of foreign, you know, extension of communism and leftism, um, I think, subtly through that iconography. Uh, and I think that that's something that people should really kind of resist and, and pay attention to. It's, it's being driven, in my opinion, it seems to be driven by a lot of Facebook boomer dads who are still obsessed right. with Hunt for Red October. Yeah, and they know exactly what they're doing as evidenced by that true fact stated guy on Twitter who took out the money to get the billboard of the GOP in Cyrillic and all that stuff. And he tweeted, oh, all these people complaining that uh, it's incorrect Cyrillic and that the letters don't make any sense. Uh, It just makes me want to put up more billboards. (laughs) It shows it's working. I mean, you know, I don't um, I don't really watch television. Um, so my sense of how all of this plays out in cable news is always very, you know, I don't really have any firsthand knowledge. Whenever I go to my parents' place or somewhere else where cable's playing, this is all that is being talked about. Uh, the only thing that cracked its hold on coverage was the border crisis with the children. Briefly. And briefly. Briefly. Yeah. But now it's sort of just a, a full court press all the time of speculation about this stuff and talking about this stuff. And again, I'm not denying the importance of this as a story to follow and yeah. to wait for like actual right. facts about. Right. But this is a country with a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> this is a planet with a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, like they're, 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 you know, and, and in the lead up to the midterm elections, I think you know, I was, I was just reading before I got in here, but there's some poll that was done not too long ago that, that found that 0.5% of Americans considered Russia like a very important issue. Yeah. Unsurprisingly compared to healthcare, compared to people trying to make ends meet. Um, and so if you're looking for something to focus on uh, in the lead up to this election, I think that we're better off thinking about the kinds of concerns that Americans actually have about what's going on in their lives. Um, and I think that and we can kind of close up on the Russia stuff and move on. But it's important to note that the Russiagate narrative is actively doing harm to these other issues. Like yeah. I brought up how we're not talking about traditional voter or election fraud anymore by Republicans. Um, we I mean, we want to talk about threat to democracy, like throwing black people off the voter Exactly. Rolls, a million of them. We just had a Brennan Center study that came out. A million black voters have been thrown off the rolls. Why is this not on MSNBC? It used to be. I remember yeah. the days when MSNBC, this would be big news on MSNBC, but it's not. And there's just a, a story today of one of the, you know, Facebook comes out to remove 32 pages out of 40 million that it hosts. Of mm. course, it becomes wall-to-wall news and is <laughs> evidence of the new attack on our midterms. Yeah. 
But one of the pages they took down or one of the events that they took down was a counter fascist rally here in Washington, D.C. And the organizers have come forward and said, hey, we are the organizers of this thing. There might have just been one strange page affiliation, but all of us are real people that have put in real work to take this down. And everybody's applauding Facebook as being proactive here. But no, (laughs) it's not what's happening. They're having these knee-jerk reactions because there's so much hysteria and pressure on something that isn't that big of a deal. Osita Nuanevu, follow him on Twitter at Osita Nuanevu, N-W-A-N-E-V-U. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Osita. We got into a lot of other issues in the conversation, including why people like Jonathan Chait are even employed. To listen to all of it, subscribe again over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. And reminder, subscribers also get access to Friday's Sentinel cast. We'll be talking Trump's trade war and MSNBC's allergic reaction to covering what's going on in Yemen. That's the show for today. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Sponsors include the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, Level News. Org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. The newscast is back Monday. We're in D.C., so you don't have to be.